I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. After a brief hiatus, we are back. Uh, today we wanted to take a way too early look at what we think will be the 53-man roster uh, coming out of training camp. And part of the reason we're doing this so early is because it sounds promising that training camp is supposed to start on time. Training camp likely will start July 28th for the Packers. They'll have like a rookie mini camp probably the week before where they can bring in some of those guys that haven't yet been to the stadium, which is exciting. So today we're going to do a very early 53-man roster prediction, and then we'll compare these lists to the show we'll do probably right before cutdown day. So as always, I am Maggie Loney, joined by Perry Goldstein. Perry, how are you doing now that we're back uh, recording? Actually, she said. Definitely happy to be back. Um, we're in that drought period right now of football news, so um, always trying to find content to bring everyone, but I'm really looking forward to hearing what your 53 looks like versus mine. Yeah, I feel like I have some surprises. They're probably not surprises to anybody else, but they surprised me when I did it, so I don't know if you're the same way, but why don't we start right away with quarterbacks? Feels slightly obvious, but curious here to see if you stuck with two or three. So what'd you do? So this was actually my very last edit that I just made before we started recording (laughs) because I originally had three, but in thinking about it, I would hope, I kind of feel like the Packers have really solidified their one, two, and it's going to be Rogers love. Um, You don't, pick love in the first round if you're not gonna have him on the 53 and I I think Tim Boyle as much as there are some fans out there that love him um you know he might be a casualty on cut down day if they would rather you know pull in someone on the defensive line or a cornerback I, I think they'd choose someone in that uh role 
over keeping a third quarterback. Yeah, that's where I struggled because last season they did enter the regular season with just Rodgers and Boyle. So Jordan Love does kind of throw a wrench into everything. So I did keep three just because, I mean, I feel like the Packers are going to be confident in Jordan Love's abilities. They'll want to keep him. Like you said, there's no way he doesn't make the 53. But I feel like Tim Boyle offers an insurance policy if something were to happen early in the season where they need somebody to come in and play. And I know that there's examples like Mahomes behind Alex Smith where he came in and looked really good, but that was the very end of the season. You know, there's a lot of growth that comes with that with a guy like Jordan Love running the scout team. So to me, I feel like early in the season, Tim Boyle will stick and I could see him being a casualty later in the season if they need to maybe remove a couple guys and elevate some people from the practice squad at different positions. But we already are disagreeing, which is fun. I was worried that we were going to have the exact same rosters. Um, so let's go to running back. I, Cause I feel like this is also very solidified, but I'm curious to see kind of what your thoughts are, uh, who your fourth back is. If you have a fourth back or a fifth back, I don't know. I agree. I think this, this was one of the groups that was the easiest for me. I think Jones, Williams, Dylan, easy th- three, um, Tyler Irvin, unless someone comes in and just like kind of takes over that return man game. I think he's got that on lock as well as, you know, being used a little bit um, in the offense, like we saw at the end of the season. So for me, I think some of the other running backs will be practice squad guys if we can. Um, But those four backs are, are going to be on the roster. Yeah. And I know that a lot of fans are talking about using somebody like Jamal Williams as trade bait. Maybe he'd be the surprise cut on, you know, cut down day, but I vehemently disagree. I don't think that'll happen. I know that you're making a face because we both feel very strongly about Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon. And then I also had Tyler Irvin for his return abilities. I know that there's some wide receivers and some corners that we'll talk about that also can do um, some return duties, but I think that Tyler Irvin offers a really dynamic option in the backfield for LaFleur. He's kind of different than anything we've seen with this running game. You know, you have thunder, lightning, whatever you want to call AJ Dillon. I, you know, heavy rain, hail. So (laughs) you have these big guys and then Tyler Irvin is kind of your shifty quint back. He's wind. There you go. (laughs) I love it. Um, So that would leave notable cut as Dexter Williams, you know, the, the draft pick from last season. Um, It'll be a big training camp for him. I could see him latching onto the practice squad, but he was on the active roster last season and never really developed, never really got a ton of time to play. So depending on how he looks, he could push for that fourth spot. It's a tough room, honestly, to break into right now for me. Like I, he would really have to come in and like outshine, you know, everyone, I think for them to put him on the roster. And I think that's where it gets really interesting with Jamal Williams, because, you know, Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere this year. AJ Dillon is not going anywhere this year. So if a guy like Dexter Williams were to make a push, you know, would that mean that the Packers are comfortable enough to shop a guy like Jamal? I would think no, but you know, I guess that's kind of where it comes in. If, if they're both entering contract seasons, Jamal and Aaron, you wonder if they'll try to move somebody a little bit early. Um, another name I had on here that I was really tempted by, but I didn't put on the list is Patrick Taylor, the running back. I really like him. I think he'll be fun. Um, I think he's a great practice squad addition, and he seems like he'd be an immediate call-up if something were to happen to one of the running backs in the room. Completely agree. Wide receiver is where it gets really interesting to me because I feel like five of them are pretty locked in, 
but I feel like we also could go in very different directions here for six, or if we kept seven, some seasons, the Packers only have five. So, you know, what'd you do here? Yeah. So the five that I have pretty locked in right now are Devonte Adams, Devin Funches, MVS, EQ, and Lazard. Um, I, I think I, it would be uh, a major shock if one of them didn't make the roster. I think something like really alarming would have to happen. I think that there's a strong possibility that we don't even keep six receivers because Lafleur's scheme t- seems to be pointing in the direction that um, we're going to be more power run scheme and we might not ever really need or use six receivers in a meaningful way. If we do my kind of camp battle that I'm sort of going to be watching is going to be between Jake Kumro and Reggie Begleton. I think of all the undrafted free agents um, and everyone we brought in, Reggie is like the most likely and, and feels like he has the best shot. Um, I think Jake Kumro is at an age where we kind of know who he is at this point. And so they may decide, you know, you're not adding anything to the room anymore. I think it's time to move on. Um, I don't think you know, I think a few of the others might land on the practice squad. I think Darius Shepard is probably going to land on the practice squad again. Um, so, yeah, I haven't decided yet even if if we'll have a sixth. Um, but if we do, it'll definitely be a battle. Yeah, I did go with six just because, you know, not that Devontae Adams has an injury history, and I know that you can always elevate these guys, but I feel like Lafleur will use these guys in a lot of different ways. So it would be nice to have players that can rotate in, especially if you have like MVS as your burner, if you're using Lazard or Equinemius as a big slot. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that he can do, but I had Adams, Lazard, Funchess, Valdez, Gantling, St. Brown as my five. We kind of agreed that those were the locks. And then I did take Reggie Begleton as my sixth. And I did that because like you said, it was hard to leave Kumro off because we know that Aaron Rodgers likes him and advocates for him and thinks that he has really good hands, but it felt like to me, Reggie Bagleton felt like he's going to come into camp and impress immediately. And I think that that's what this wide receiver room needs. It needs really stiff competition. It needs guys that are going to elevate the talent around them. And not that Kumaro doesn't do that because he has proven reliable when he gets his opportunities, but he's not getting enough opportunities to justify that spot. I think if they find somebody that's really electric and just comes in and blows everyone away in camp, it'll be a guy like Reggie Bagleton and, I'm glad you mentioned Darius Shepard as well, because it was hard leaving him off because he's got that traditional slot body and he has the return ability. If they didn't take a guy like Tyler Irvin, same with Daryl Stewart out of Michigan, but both of those guys to me felt like prime practice squad candidates. So six was tough. Ned definitely couldn't go seven, um, but five felt like too few. Um, So I guess it's interesting now that it segues into tight ends. How many did you keep here? This is the other uh, position where I feel like it's totally on lock and and we just know who they are. And I have four. Um, I've got Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, Robert Tanyan, Josiah DeGuerra. Um, I'd be hard pressed to <laughs> to admit that I think James Looney is going to make the team. I'm sorry. Um, but I think the room is strong. Um, I think each of them bring a very different skill set to the position. Um, and I think it's, it's actually one of the better position groups that we have. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do going into the season. 
Yeah, I mean, I struggled with Robert Tanyan keeping him on here just because I thought, you know, if they're going to go three, it'll be Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberg, and Josiah DeGuara. But then I, I, the more I thought about it, if this is Mercedes Lewis's last season or he only has one or two more seasons, you need another guy developing behind him. So you have Jay Sternberg and Josiah DeGuara, which is fine. DeGuara's a rookie. Jay Sternberger remains unproven, even though we're all optimistic about what he can do. So having a third guy in that room to continuously develop, whether, you know, they use him as an H-back, you know, whatever personnel they decide to put these guys in, there's a lot of flexibility there. You know, Mercedes Lewis is not a one-trick pony, but you kind of know what you get when he's on the field, that he is primarily a blocker. So to have three different chess pieces for this offense makes things really fun for, I think, LaFleur going forward. Um, I'm with you about James Oney. James Loney. See, I was going to say that I need a Looney on the field because so many people call me Maggie Looney that it would be nice to have that uh, on a, a nameplate. But, you know, then I, I can barely say my own name when I have to introduce <laughs> our podcast. So. <laughs> um, but I do want to see what he looks like on the field to see how he, you know, dropping weight from defensive line to tight end is quite the transition. And I haven't seen any pictures of him, so... Neither have I. I'm very curious what that transition is going to look like. Um, because we're talking about big guys now, let's talk about the offensive line. This, to me, was one of the most challenging um, number and, you know, who makes the cut because there's a lot of depth here, and the Packers did just draft three guys. So if you think about that alone, there's a lot there. I had the hardest time with this one, too. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more offensive linemen on the roster this season than before. Um, I have us keeping nine. Um, I don't know if traditionally that's, I think last year they had eight or nine. Um, so maybe it's more on par with what we usually do, but there's a few um, that are obvious locks, right? Bakhtiari, Wagner, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, um, Billy Turner. I think, Given what they did with Lane Taylor's contract, he's pretty much a lock as well to be on the team. Um, I see Lucas Patrick also staying on the roster as a, a really solid um, depth guy. That's you know he's he kind of slides in there, and and you can pretty much trust that he not only will do his job, but like also understands the offense because he's been in it for so long. Um, I actually very much see John Runyon Jr. seeing the field this season a little bit. Um, I think of all the of all three of the linemen that we drafted this season, he definitely has the most NFL-ready promise to me. Um, so I definitely see him making the roster as well. And then I had the other two linemen that we drafted on the roster as well, Jake Hansen and Simon Stepanak. The rest of the the rest of the group to me and maybe they'll look great in camp. I don't know, but it, they haven't done enough to show me yet that it, I think they're going to make it. Um, I think Alex Light um, might be a cut down day, you know, casualty. Um, unfortunately, as much as I root for him, I think Cole Madison might be as well. Um, so those are my those are my nine. Yeah, so this was really hard, and I agree with you, but we went in a completely different direction here, which is interesting because we haven't done that in a while. So I do have the starting five. I have Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Lindsay, uh, Billy Turner, Rick Wagner. Um, I kept Lucas Patrick for the same reasons you mentioned. He can play center. He can play guard. Really versatile. 
Kathleen Taylor, because I think the restructuring, you know, really implies that he's sticking around. I don't think they would have gone through the effort to do that if they were cutting him or trading him. Um, but then I kept John Ronnie Jr. and Yash Nijman. So I got rid of Simon Stepaniak and Jake Hansen. I do think they're both practice squad candidates, but the guard depth is really solid right now for the Packers. And I kind of kept John Runyon Jr. and Yash as tackle options because we saw a little bit of Alex Light and it just didn't seem like he was ready for that role. It's possible that a guy like Lane Taylor or John Runyon even plays tackle in place of Rick Wagner at some point in the season. But there's a lot of depth kind of in the middle of the offensive line, and I felt like they needed more depth at tackle, even though, you know, David Bakhtiari is an Iron Man. But in case anything were to happen, you need to have a left tackle that you feel, you know, solid. And maybe that's why they have Lane Taylor, because they know that he can do it in a pinch. Jake Hansen was tough to leave off because the Packers don't really have a true center behind Corey Lindsley, and he is entering a contract year, which makes it even more challenging to figure out what's going to happen there. But we saw Lucas Patrick take some snaps at center when Lindsay was out with the back spasms against the Cowboys. So that was my nine, but it was really tough. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely consider John Runyon Jr. a tackle. I know that he played all over the line, so he can be really versatile, and that's why he was a little bit of the easier choice for me. Um, I... Uh, I actually, like you said, I, I kept Jake Hansen because there is, I mean, yes, Lucas Patrick, but there isn't really a backup there for center. And if, you know, debatably, we might not bring Corey Lindsley back. Like, I think Hansen will need that time and those snaps um, to sort of take over that role. But it's going to be like one of the biggest camp battles that we have is which of these offensive linemen are going to make the team. Yeah, that'll be one of those things that we're watching the preseason for who they actually are playing in the fourth game, you know, because if you get to sit, pretty likely you're making the team. So if they're still rotating through a bunch of guys in that last game, you, there's it's still very much up in the air. So I really am interested to see kind of how that goes. But flipping then to the defensive side of the ball, you got the other big guys, the guys that the offensive line will be going up against. This was, to me, the hardest cut down. And I'm curious to see how many you kept because I think I went a little outside the box here, but maybe I didn't at all. So what does your defensive line room look like? I have five. Um, I think the first four will be fairly obvious. Um, I had a really hard time with the fifth, um, but I do have a little bit of a cut down or a cut day surprise in this room. Um, so obviously I kept Kenny Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, and Dean Lowry. Um, and I actually, it's, it could go either way, but I actually have Trayvon Hester making the team over Gerald Willis. I know that it could go either way. I think one of them will, but I, I envision Montrevious Adams being the one who no longer is on the team. I can't believe this. I'm so sorry. Mine is the exact same. <laughs> I have. It's the same? I have Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, <laughs> Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, and Trayvon Hester. And it was really hard to cut Montrevious Adams, but I felt like if the Packers were going to keep one extra person, I thought Trayvon Hester has enough experience that he would beat out Montrevious Adams. And then 
I thought if they were going to keep one extra body, they'd need a Tyler Lancaster because they don't have a true nose tackle on the roster. So it was incredibly difficult to cut Montrevious Adams because he's a former third-round pick. He kind of looked good towards the end of last season, but I don't think he's done enough. He, I was just about to say he just has not done enough, and it's going to be another situation where he is going to have to come into camp and absolutely show everyone up for the Packers to say, yeah, we're going to keep you. Um, because they did bring in two guys that I think could beat him out. I can't believe we have the same list. I really didn't think we were going to. Yeah, also, no, I'm I, not surprised. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, there's, there's no way. So last year, the Packers <laughs> kept six. So that's why this was so hard. Because I, you know, like they had Fidel Brown last season going into the regular season. And yeah. they just had a lot of rotational guys for depth. And knowing that this is a weakness of the team and the run defense especially, it's really interesting to look at this position and still have so many question marks. And, you know, they didn't bring in any, I guess they did bring in free agents and Gerald Willis, Trayvon Hester, but it, it wasn't really like, you know, it wasn't snacks. A it wasn't like name. Daniels. Right. Yeah. So my defensive line segues into my outside linebackers. Um, so I kind of paired these together, but I'm curious what your outside linebackers room looks like. Um, this is the last group where I felt like really solid on. Um, this, so obviously the Smith brothers and Rashawn, I only kept four um, because all three of those guys are going to be used all the time. They're going to move around. They're going to, you know, be on the outside, inside, et cetera. Um, I have my fourth as Jonathan Garvin. Um, I really, really loved the pick. I think somehow he got drafted in the seventh round, but people you know, draft scouts were really high on him, thought he could go earlier. I love his tape. I love what he can do. So I think of the rest of the room, he has the best chance to take that fourth spot. So here I thought that I was being like unique with having only five defensive linemen. And then that wasn't the case, but knowing last year that the Packers kept six defensive linemen, what I did was I sacrificed one defensive lineman to keep five. And then I kept five outside linebackers, which is against the norm. The Packers normally keep four, but I had the same four as you, Zadarius, Preston, Rashawn, Jonathan Garvin. And then I added Tim Williams because both Tim Williams and Jonathan Garvin both got a lot of praise from Mike Patton. And he said one of, this was one of the best edge groups he's ever had the privilege of working with. So, you know, he talked about if the defensive line maybe wasn't the unit of strength last season, he was using guys like Zadarius and Rashawn in different supporting roles kind of along the line because we know that Zadarius and Rashawn can both kind of migrate around the defense in that front seven in a lot of different roles. So I thought, you know, you have Preston as a true hand-in-the-dirt edge rusher. If that's what Jonathan Garvin and Tim Williams do, that's great. But then you can use guys like Zadarius and Rashawn to help bolster a defensive line that isn't necessarily the strength of the defense. Yeah. I think, too, like – we saw Zadarius and Preston take a lot of snaps last season and you could tell in multiple games that they were getting incredibly beat up. And as much as we love to have them on the field and how impactful they are, I feel like we also need to save their bodies a little bit. And so to have Rashawn increase his snap count and also have a fourth like Jonathan Garvin or Tim Williams potentially come in and take some of those snaps away, not in a bad way to take snaps away, but give them some rest on downs where we might not need the Smith brothers in there, I think will only help us. 
Um, I boldly really believe that we might be the best edge rush team in the league next season. I am proud of that. I think that you should boldly proclaim that because I really do. I really believe that because I look at this group and I think that is speed. That is size. That is agility. That's the ability to get pressure rushing only three. Like that is, this is a group that I would be afraid to go up against. I'm not biased. So excited. (laughs) Like I need you to stop. (laughs) Okay. We can move on. But no, I mean, yeah. So Mike Patton had basically said in his press conference that they did rely heavily on that outside linebackers unit to make up for some of the snaps they didn't give to the defensive line. So you had guys like Kenny Clark, Zedarius and Preston Smith taking an abundance of snaps. And Petten even said like, we gave them too many snaps, but they performed as admirably as they could. You know, they wreaked havoc for opposing offenses. So to give those guys fresh legs, you know, you talked about this being one of the best edge rushing units in the league. Rashawn has looked good in his limited snaps. Really excited to see what he can do if he takes that next jump. Jonathan Garvin has some insane speed for this defense, which I'm really excited about. Tim Williams has so much promise. And if he can just harness that, you know, he was a former third round pick for the Ravens. So just a lot to really be excited about. It was, it shouldn't have been hard to cut down the outside linebackers, but I'm also really high on Randy Ramsey. So it just, I mean, that is one of my favorite positions anyway. So to to think of the the caliber of talent that Mike Pettin is working with and the way that he said that this position group is just completely loaded, that's going to be fun to watch in, in training camp in the preseason. Shifting inside to maybe one of the most unpredictable positions, I guess, just because there's a lot of unknowns here. Uh, how many inside linebackers did you keep and who are they? I struggled a lot with this group. Um for those of you, if you can hear the sirens, it's just the podcast. <laughs> I apologize. Um, I have four. Um, and the reason being is because two of them, I think, will at least be on the team in a special team sense and a rotational sense. So I obviously have Christian Kirksey. I don't think anybody, anybody doubts he's going to be on the team. Um, he had his presser today. It made me love him so much. Um, I have Oren Burks and Ty Summers as my other two. Um, I think that we heard the interview you did with Ty Summers and how hard he's working at kind of gaining some skills that will bring something different to this room. Um, and I think hearing him talk about it, I really believe that that will be the case. He also has been really fantastic on special teams. So I don't see them getting rid of him. Same with Oren Burks. I think Oren Burks needs to show that he can be a consistent player and not just a special teams player. Um, And then I also have them definitely keeping Kamal Martin. Um, I don't think they took him with the idea that he'd be a practice squad guy. I think they took an inside linebacker because they know they need one. Um, So those are the four that I have. Yeah, I have the same four. And like you said, you know, Ty Summers played 72% of of special team snaps last season. So I know that he doesn't want that to be his role. But when we talked to him last week, he had said, like, 
you know, you grow up thinking that you don't want to play special teams because that's for the guys that can't get on the field anywhere else. But then you realize how vital a good special teams unit can be to flipping the field and giving your offense and defense, you know, key positions to, to be in. So I do think that they'll keep the same four that you listed. It was kind of hard to leave off Curtis Bolton because he had such a strong preseason, but with the injury, you don't really know kind of how he's going to recover from that. And, uh, I was watching some tape on him earlier today, but I think Ben Fennell was uh, highlighting Kingsley Kiki and it might've been Pete Bukowski, but somebody had commented and said, Oh look, there's Curtis Bolton flying around everywhere. And it did, you know, remind me of how good he looked last season. So I think that fourth spot is going to be really tricky. Oren Burks needs to have a year. Yeah. I just wrote about this for Cheesehead TV. We, we all obviously really hope that Christian Kirksey can stay healthy, but Blake Martinez was playing 99% of snaps for this defense for his last three seasons. He wore the communication helmet. He was a full-time starter. He led the team in tackles, which, you know, most inside linebackers do. So there is that aspect of it. But if anything happens to a guy like Christian Kirksey, there's a lot of unproven depth there. And you hope that Oren Burks can step up. You hope that Ty Summers can, is ready for a bigger role. You hope they brought in Kamal Martin because they're confident that he can take some of those snaps. But whether these guys are playing like 20 to 40% of those support snaps or a guy like Raven Green coming in opposite Christian Kirksey, this room is full of unknowns if there's any type of injuries lingering. Yep. So, you know, if Christian Kirksey, go ahead. It's a little scary to me, honestly. Like we put a lot of, a lot at stake on, and like Christian healthy and normally you'd be like, yeah, okay. But he also has an injury history and it's a lot. If he goes down this group as it stands right now, I don't think could take on any kind of offense. Yeah. And that's what made the Mike Patton interview so interesting. And I, you know, I don't know if he advocated for Christian Kirksey, but he was the head coach in Cleveland when Kirksey got drafted. Kirksey knows his defense really well already. He had said, you know, like, yes, he was injured the last two seasons. We don't think there's any type of lingering issue there. We don't think he's injury prone. We think those were fluke injuries and he's fully healthy, ready to go this season. But we talked about this before. You look at the Packers last two seasons. It's always, you know, somebody like Oren Burks or Curtis Bolton, somebody that's supposed to latch on to the immediate 53 and make an impact week one gets hurt. So then the Packers go sign Antonio Morrison or BJ Goodson and really hope going into the season that they have their guys and they don't have to be looking, you know, come cut down day for somebody to step in. And I, I think the talent is there on the roster, but we've talked about it a lot and we will continue probably to talk about it during training camp as we get to see more of these guys. But there's a lot of unproven here with a lot of potential. So, you know, what it turns into is I think kind of where we're all waiting on pins and needles. So should we go to the secondary now? Yeah, (laughs) let's do it. And this, this is where I struggled. I mean, I think I just struggled with the whole defense. I think I had the offense on lock and then I was like, Oh, here we go. So (laughs) what does your cornerback room look like? And did you make room for Tamon Williams? Jamon Williams always has a place whether it's on the team or in my heart is to be determined (laughs) but um yeah the cornerback room is is interesting okay so I think oh boy all right Jair and Kevin absolute locks I don't think there's any debate there um 
Chandon Sullivan to me is also a lock. I actually see him, you know, coming in and playing that nickel um, slot position that Tremont was last season. He, he did really well when he was on the field. Patton's excited about him. I think, you know, another like small leap or even just taking the opportunities and more snaps, like he's going to play extremely well. Um, I, after that, I was struggling. Um, I think that this, we've talked about this plenty of times, don't need to rehash it, but this is Josh Jackson's year. Either it's a yes or it's a no. Um, I think he could be a surprise cut if some of the other guys behind him are better in camp and it just looks like he clearly didn't make it or a trade bait. Um, I think I've done a little bit more digging into Josh Jackson and a lot of what he was so good at in college is just not what our scheme is. And it's no fault to anyone. He could go excel somewhere else. He just may not fit. So if they can't find a fit for him, he might be gone. Um, After that, I have Kadar Holman on the roster as well. And my surprise uh, sixth is uh, Stanford Samuels. I was really scared for a second. <laughs> we're going the same six again. <laughs> Do we okay. not? No, we don't. Um, so I'm with you, Jair and Kevin King. Kevin King is entering such a fascinating season because, you know, he also is in a contract year. And we've talked about this before, but it's so scary to think that the Packers finally have an established secondary and they might be shifting pieces again. So really, you know, kind of weird there that they spent all this draft capital and all this time trying to find pieces. And then if Kevin King doesn't, you know, have an adequate enough season that he'll be gone, or if he just happens to be a cap casualty because they have Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari and so much talent that they need to consider bringing back. Um, So I had Jair and Kevin I had Shannon Sullivan and this is where things to me got interesting because there's so many snaps available from Tremont Williams. And we kind of talked about this where it was hard to know what they had in the depth of their secondary because everybody stayed so healthy. Tremont was healthy. Kevin King was healthy. So this training camp is going to be huge for these guys because Josh Jackson got hurt in the preseason and basically never got to play again because he was just at the bottom of the depth chart and he wasn't needed. And it maybe wasn't for a lack of talent. He just couldn't get on the field. So I do like your point about the scheme with Josh Jackson. And I think it's interesting. The athletic just had a really good breakdown of the Packers season. And they talked about how often they're in zone and that's where Josh Jackson excels. So I don't know if he kind of becomes a chess piece for Mike Pettin when he's on the field, either in dime, like what that would look like. Uh, But I did keep him. I kept Kadar Holman uh, because I think that there's a lot to like. There are a lot of promise for the, the rookie or going into his second year. And then my sixth corner was uh, Marc-Antoine Decroix. That's um, who I was debating between. <laughs> yeah, and I like he's kind of, I don't know if scary is the right word, but he's 25, so the Packers don't typically bring in older players. You know, this would be his first year in the league at already 25. He's already older than Kenny Clark, so there is that <laughs> element. But he's 6'3". He is like the Kevin King body tape body type. He's long. He's got really good hands. I was he reading ran a four three six. Yeah, and I think like half of his interceptions ended up being pick sixes. Like he just finds the end zone whenever he intercepts the ball. So I like that. He yeah, I'm really interested to see kind of I, I struggled, like you said, Stanford Samuels was my other position here 
or uh, KB and Ento, the wide receiver converted to corner. So corner always kind of seems like it's interesting. There's always like those last couple spots that they're battling for, but I like this. This gives us some competition. We'll see who we pick and who makes it. <laughs> no chugging bets this time. No, I was just about to say no more chugging <laughs> bets. All right. Uh, let's go over to safeties. Cause I, at first I almost only kept three and then I, uh, crossed it out and kept four. So what do you have here? Okay. This is where I went a little crazy and I, <laughs> I kept five. Ooh. And the reason that I kept so many DBs is because of actually that athletic article where it talked about how Petten plays dime like 50% of the time. And so you need six defensive backs and you need, so therefore you need depth there. Um, so I love this group. This group is so exciting to me. Um, we obviously have Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Raven Green is going to be back and healthy. He's probably, and he brings something so different than those two, right? Like he's that in the box safety, like super hybrid, like linebacker, right? So, so excited to have Raven Green back for hopefully a full season. Will Redmond also in his limited stops last season looked great. Um, and then we drafted Vernon Scott. And I know that he's just a rookie and he's a little unproven, but I think the speed and the talent that he brings, um, if he has a good camp, will get garner him a spot on the roster. Yeah. When we talked to Ty Summers last week about this, he basically said that Vernon knows his quickest path to the roster right now will have to be through special teams because, you know, he's not going to come in and necessarily beat out Adrian Amos. He's not going to beat out Darnell Savage. Those are pretty locked in positions, but like you said, you know, if Mike Pettin is playing dime, then that opens up opportunities for a guy like Vernon Scott, because I don't know if he'd use Raven Green as, you know, a floating safety. You might want him playing closer to the line of scrimmage. So my notable cut was actually Vernon Scott, and I felt really bad about it. And I beat myself up about it because he does kind of have that safety corner hybrid body type where I think he could play, he could play in the slot even. So he is really interesting, but it was really hard for me to either leave Raven Green or Will Redman off the list. Because, yeah. you know, when Darnell Savage was injured for a couple games last season, Will Redman came in and he did look good. So I think that the safeties were pretty locked in. But, you know, I think this is what makes the 53-man prediction so interesting is we had different numbers for a lot of these positions. And I think I ended up with 26 offense, 24 defense. So just kind of seeing where you give the extra bodies and how, you know, you utilize those positions. I think I ended up with 10 in the secondary and you had 11. So, yeah, I also had 26 and 24. They were just moved around a little bit differently, but Hey, we can't forget the special teams <laughs> crew, the trio, Oh, Mason, Bradley, JK Scott, they'll be on the 53. <laughs> they, they will be Sean Menenga. I think uh, during his presser was asked if JK Scott and Hunter Bradley are back in their duplex yet in green Bay taking snaps in their backyard. And he was like, uh, no, they're still quarantining in their homes. But you know, Mason Crosby just got his mega contract to come back, had a career season. So special teams is pretty locked and loaded, you know, um, I thought it was really interesting from Sean Menenga too, when he talked about how he always has different guys and they're pretty much always cross training. Like unless you're Aaron Rodgers, you pretty much attend at least one special teams meeting a week just to make sure you know what you're doing in case 
your number gets called to go play. So this was fun. I mean, I'm very curious to see now how these rosters look, if they look any different at all um, in a couple months when we're talking about the final 53. That is all the time that we have for today's show. That was a lot of fun. I loved it. Perry, I hope that you loved it. I feel like we could talk about the Packers 24-7, though, so it's kind of cheating. Um, lots of really good camp battles to watch. I'm really excited to kind of see how this shakes out. But if the people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that? You can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter. Um, follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter as well. Um, I am now podcasting somewhat regularly with pack a day. So you can find me every third Saturday <laughs> with the, with Tyler and Mike, um, and sometimes guesting on other days. So it'll just be a surprise. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney, L O N E Y. I write two articles a week for cheese TV and I too podcast with the pack a day podcast crew. We may have a special guest coming up. Um, probably by the time this airs, you'll have heard the special guest. The special guest is Perry. She's filling in for Nick. So if you hear her, that's why we're, we're double heading this week. Um, and I guess I just want to end this by encouraging all of you just because we're back to talking about football. doesn't mean that we want you to tune out from everything else that's going on in the world. Um, please remember to listen and take everything in around you and be really conscientious and respectful of those voices that you're hearing because it takes a lot for them to share these stories. And as head coach Matt LaFleur said, words are great, but actions speak louder. So if you can contribute to the worthy causes in any way, we would encourage you to do that. Um, and yeah, just go pack, go. Go pack, go.